Welcome to the Dads on the Fly podcast. I'm Joshua Simmons. Dads on the Fly is brought to you by Trout Routes, the number one mapping resource for trout anglers. Turtle Box Audio, the loudest, most rugged outdoor speaker. And Catch Cam Nets, where you can build your own net. And I'm Caleb Simmons. Thanks for joining with me and my brother as we discuss fly fishing, fatherhood, and faith, and the intermingling of it all. Well, hey, everyone, and thanks for checking out episode 121 of the Dads of the Fly podcast. I'm Caleb Simmons with my brother Joshua, as always. Joshua, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody out there. Thank you for making 2024 uh, Dads on the Fly part of your daily listen. We are pumped to have you again for another awesome just year of podcasting and uh, meeting new people. And we started off today with just an awesome guy that we got to meet um, through a conversation about what he has done uh, in establishing a lodge in the Bahamas. Uh, him and his wife founded a lodge, Mr. Kyle Schaefer, um, and we're just pumped to hear all about that story. And I think most of our listeners, if not all of our listeners, are really going to find this a good one, man. Yeah, man, this is a great uh, conversation with Kyle from Soulfly Outfitters and uh, the Soulfly Lodge down there in the Bahamas. Joshua, it was a great conversation for you especially because I know as we were talking to Kyle, you were constantly planning the trip uh, for us to get down there, which I know is always something fun that we like to do is uh, trying to plan destination trips. And um, maybe it'll happen one day. Maybe it'll happen. We'll get down there. Yeah, if you really love Dads on the Fly, you know, we're uh, more than happy to accept a trip to Soulfly Lodge. If anybody's (laughs) out there wanting to send us, we'll even let you tag along with us. So um, we appreciate what you guys do. And I just want to remind everybody as we jump into 2024, Please go and, uh, you know, if you haven't liked or reviewed or rated the podcast, please do that wherever you get your podcast. And also, folks, uh, help us out. Get uh, Continue to expand the Dads on the Fly um, community. If, uh, you know, when we post about our episodes, feel free to share those on your Instagrams, on your socials. And uh, we just love this community that we built over this last uh, two and a half years, man. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the best way to continue growing this thing is just tell a friend. Uh, maybe tell somebody you know that uh, you like listening to this uh, Send them the episode in a text or something and uh, have them check us out. So, yeah, we're excited for uh, 2024, man. It looks like it's going to be a great year. We've already got a lot of great stuff lined up. Yeah, we got a couple cool things coming. One at the end of January, folks. So uh, if you're local, um, you know, shoot us a DM. We've got kind of a cool opportunity for you to come hang out with us. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's an invite only, but it's mainly just so we can, like, know how much food to have for you. <laughs> so if you're local or you just, you know, really love us and you want to drive and come see us, I'll be glad to shoot you that invite uh, to a cool event. We're going to have a little Dads on the Fly social night, and uh, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, we've got something really cool happening that night that we're going to share. I'm not sure if we're uh, sharing with the world yet exactly what that is. but um, Oh, we can share it with the world. I don't think it's a big mystery. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty excited about this. And so, Joshua, t- tell everybody what, what – I mean, we can share with the world. You know, our buddy Jesse Mills came up and spent a weekend with us in November. And uh, he has put together just this awesome uh, film that kind of tells our story about Dads on the Fly and what we hope Dads on the Fly continues to do. And uh, it's just – we're really excited about it. And so we wanted to – show it to everyone locally first we get a chance to do that and so that's what we're gonna do that night just have a little social get together and uh show the film and then that film's gonna drop that uh next i think monday morning so we're excited about it yeah really stoked about that and uh you'll see a lot of that on our socials if you don't already follow us make sure go to facebook go to instagram just uh follow and like dads on the fly you'll uh be able to keep up with all this stuff and be able to see when that film drops it's really special um i'm excited to to let the world be able to see it it's been it's been sitting back. It's hard to like create something. Like, well, not that we created it. We were just part of it. But uh, to have something like that sitting in the queue and not being able to share it with a ton of people yet as, uh, you know, some edits and different things have to get done with it. But um, I'm really excited to let a lot of people see our story and to hear a little bit more about uh, what it's like to, to fish with you, Joshua. And um, I just can't wait to uh, 
let people see that. Yeah, we won't talk anymore about it because we got a whole episode <laughs> the day that it dropped, so a for whole sure. podcast episode. So uh, thanks, guys, for checking out this episode with Kyle. He was just so, so cool, man, and I just love his story. Uh, I'd heard about him from another podcast I listened to, and just so glad he took the time to hang out with us, and uh, I think we're good to jump right into it, man. Yeah, man, let's dive in now to our conversation with Mr. Kyle Schaefer. All right, man. Well, Kayla, we're so excited tonight to have with us Mr. Kyle Schaefer. I, there's probably too long of a bio for me to introduce him all. I think it'll just come out in the episode. But it's really cool tonight because Kyle is coming from us in a place that I think all of us, as we're sitting here listening to this in the winter, you know, we're all sitting here freezing in the wintertime, uh, this episode dropping right in the middle of the winter. I think all of us would probably love to be where Kyle currently is. And Kyle is coming to us from the Bahamas. Um, and Kyle, specifically, what part of the Bahamas is your lodge in? Oh, we're in the Berry Islands, the northern Bahamas. Yeah, that would be nice, Kyle. Uh, we woke up this morning to like 18 degrees here in the mountains of western North Carolina. And um, so uh, I'm a little jealous of where you are. That is for, sh- that is for sure. <laughs> but Kyle, welcome to the podcast, <laughs> yeah. man. We're so excited to have you. Thanks, guys. So pumped to be here. It's awesome to chat with you both. Yeah, I first heard of Kyle's story through another podcast that I love to listen to. Um, that would be the Captain's Collective by Mr. Hunter Levine. Uh, shout out to Hunter, and that's where I kind of first heard about Kyle's story. And so, me and Kyle, man, we've been chatting back and forth on Instagram, and then we got—I got his number. We were texting, and we were trying to make this happen, and uh, it just finally worked out. And so, we're so excited to allow, to have him on our first episode of 2024. And uh, Kyle, before we get into all the stuff, because we want to talk about the lodge, we want to talk about some fish down there, we want to talk about you being a dad and building this lodge and all that. But when was the first time you got a fly rod in your hand, man? When when did this passion for maybe fly fishing begin? Yeah. So I, I remember pretty clearly I was in, um, I was in second grade when I got my first fly rod and it was just, um, you know, I didn't come from a fly fishing family. Um, I just started have just started kind of feeling this gravitational pull towards it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had a very, very long learning curve as a second grader with no mentors, um, fly fishing, <laughs> but, um, that was, that was my start. That's what kind of kicked it all off for me. And that was, uh, was that up in the Northeast? That was, yep. I was, I was in the Northeast at the time. Um, I was actually up in Vermont for a short stint. Um, and, uh, most of my childhood up until I was 18 was, um, uh, was in Maryland. So I was, I was lucky to be able to fish the Chesapeake Bay. So you could, I, you know, my home water, you could catch sunfish and catfish and striped bass and bluefish and all these, all these different types of species as a little kid. So it was kind of like, it was a perfect little playground for a curious kid that is just fascinated with anything that lives in the water. Um, so, um, a great place to, uh, to really kind of fire me up for this sport for sure man so then how did it evolve Kyle to where now it's like it's what you do I mean you're you're all about it and uh it's led to so many avenues for you to 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 impact our environment and uh next generation stuff like that so so how did it evolve from just a second grader with a fly rod in his hand trying to figure stuff out into where now this is what you're you're doing full-time yeah. So, I mean, I could always tell that it was like, it, 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 it was kind of my compass, you know, it, it was something that I was always coming back to. And I think, you know, as a kid growing up, you know, you get a little distracted in high school and college and, but it's, it's always there for you. And especially once I, once I graduated college, I started guiding trout fishing. I moved, uh, 
I went to University of New Hampshire um, and I moved west right when I graduated with some of my best pals. And I, I spent five years in Steamboat Springs, um, Colorado. And that's where I got my, my first guiding gig. And so I would, I would guide in the summers and I was running a ski shop in the winter and it was, it was just kind of co- as good as life could be, you know, graduating and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. I was, you know, kind of on the, on the fence, you know, at this, at this crossroads. And, um, and I just decided to take some time and, um, it's the best thing I did. We had some record snow, snow years and some great skiing, which meant really happy fish and great water levels in the, uh, in the summer. And so that's what really, I think, you know, stoked that, that fire for me. Um, and being able to fish with lots of other guides and, you know, just, just start to learn the industry a little bit, um, had some awesome mentors out there. And so I think that was like my real first, um, you know, I guess confirmation that, that I was on the right track, um, doing what I love, which I think too, when you're, when you're young, um, and you're trying to figure out this, this world, um, you know, there's, uh, um, you know, it's not always easy to pursue a career in what you love. And so I had plenty, plenty of ups and downs, you know, with some of those big snow years, you know, as we were starting to guide and, uh, money was tight and I just kind of kept powering through. Um, I ended up leaving steamboat and moving back to new England, which, you know, really ended up was a really hard thing to do, but ended up opening a lot more doors for me. And, you know, I'm really glad that I did. So from New Hampshire to Colorado, and uh, we're currently talking to you, you're in the Barry Islands. So, you know, <laughs> what uh, I think that's what most folks now probably know or have heard of you from. And so where did the trout fisherman, trout god first get on a skiff or, you know, walk a flat? And where, where did that passion come from? Yeah. So I, and you know, even after my Colorado year or, you know, I, I really considered myself having a much stronger tie to the, to the saltwater. Um, you know, I was born in Cape Cod and growing up in, um, growing up in, in, in Maryland really, really had my love tethered to the, to the salt. And so I moved back from Colorado to the Southern coast of Maine, where the goal was to get my captain's license and start guiding for, for striped bass. And, uh, particularly in shallow water, uh, we've got some really cool sight fishing for for striped bass in New England, and that was that was kind of my next uh, um, you know my next goal that I was working towards. So um, obviously, I had some work to do. Um, I had to, I had to learn my home water. I had to um, put the time in, get my boat, get my captain's license, get the main guide's license, all that stuff. So as I was going through that, I I ended up. Um, working for a really interesting, um, outdoor company, um, doing some, doing some marketing work, but, but saddling up to a desk for, um, for that year and a half or, or two years really helped kind of confirm that I needed to be back on the water. Um, it was a, it was a great, it was a great challenge. And, um, all the while I'm, I'm fishing early mornings, learning the water, getting, getting off work, and uh and and just learn as much as i can and and got started and and so now i'm a striper guide and i'm doing this full time and 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 loving it and but you're left with now a seven month off season um where striped bass are not there and so you know through 
through, you know, through this time period, I met my wife and, and we got married and, um, she's simultaneously, she's a teacher and she was really wanting to break from teaching. So we were throwing around ideas and we're like, why don't we go try and find a lodge in the Bahamas to go manage? And, and, you know, it's like, it was a great conversation. I didn't know how serious or not it was going to be. And so we, you know, it was a week later, Kitri's like, Kitri, my wife was, um, so how's the job search going? How, where are we at? You know? And, uh, I was like, okay, it's the real deal. So, <laughs> so we, I really started looking and I started getting some leads and had some friends that were doing, doing that work and got connected and we ended up landing a job. So that's really what got me to the Bahamas was managing another lodge down in Andros. Um, it was an incredible experience. We got, um, we had the luxury of, of, of working for, you know, in a just an incredible part of the Bahamas and and learning the Bahamian culture and just kind of how everything works and you know I definitely have a an entrepreneurial uh, bug in me and uh, so we just started keeping our ears open for uh, for opportunities to to do our own thing and that's really what uh, um, you know what drew us into the Barry Islands and uh, you know there's no other fishing lodges here it's a small cozy family island in the Bahamas and. Um, we, our approach was, let's see if we can talk ourselves out of this. And here I am in, in season three. So we obviously couldn't talk ourselves out of pursuing this. And, uh, we rounded up a great team to, to make all this happen. And, and, uh, we've just been, we've just been so fortunate to, to be here and, um, and spend the time that, that we do here. All right. We're going to just nerd out a little bit on this because I just find it fascinating. Um, <laughs> I, just, I think it's just such a cool story. So Three years ago, you decided to do your own thing. And uh, did, did you guys build this from the ground up? We, so there was actually, it was actually like once we got to this island, there was, it was a pretty obvious choice. There was a, there was a, a building here that had been um, around since the 50s. And it's gone through some really cool iterations and has some cool history. And we ended up, um, speaking with the owners here, they really wanted to sell. Um, and so that's kind of where we started. Um, you know, it was a really cool property. It kind of had that, like that X factor, that special something that you can't quite put your finger on. And, and so we started here and, and, uh, that's where we ended up. We ended up acquiring this, this property here and, and, and making it happen. And we needed to do a lot of work. We also, you know, we're also acquired this place in the middle of COVID. So, you know, we're, we're like, are we crazy, uh, buying this place, uh, you know, when we're in the middle of a global pandemic and travel is not happening, but, you know, I think we had some confidence that eventually would we would come out on the other side of it. And uh, we just started to see like that glimmer of light on the other side. And we got our offer accepted and we were like, oh, boy. All right. Now the work starts. You know, it was kind of one of those. It wasn't a celebration, I'd say, when we got the offer accepted. We're like, OK, the work begins now. And uh, so we built it all around this this really cool, really cool place. It needed a lot of work to to get it, um, get it opened up for, for our purpose of, of running a, a fishing lodge here, but it was the, it was the perfect place. It's, and, and, and we're glad we did. It's, it's, it's been a wonderful property to be, to be well, at. If you've followed along, I mean, I don't know, I guess when I heard about you was, I guess maybe been two years ago, maybe a year and a half at least you guys have become like just booked all like people love it. I mean, it's obviously become one of the premier lodges. I think, I think you're hooked up with a, 
I think I've seen it on a yellow dog. Now, um, you guys are rocking and rolling big time. And, uh, I want to just you to speak for a minute. I think a lot of that has to do. And I know when Hunter did his interview series down there, you got super fortunate with your staff. Is that, is that correct? Just your, was that intentional? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think we're, um, you know, we were very strategic about, about the team and it really all started with Percy Darville, who's, um, 57 years of guiding under his belt. He's 71. He started guiding, you know, in his teens here in the Barry islands. And he is, he's the guy that, you know, when I was doing kind of these exploratory trips down here and figuring out if this was, uh, something we wanted to really pursue as an opportunity, he was the guy that, that I was fishing with, exploring with, you know, he knew we were, he knew we were um, entertaining the idea and, you know, I sat with him one night and basically asked him if, you know, if he would support um, us coming in to do this. And uh, he said, no, we, you know, we, we did not want to go against the grain and the community here. And uh, he was like, where, where were you 10 years ago? So we were like, we had the full green light from Percy. And once we, you know, once we kind of got, got Percy on the team as our, our head guide, we, we built it out from there. And again, it was, you know, you've got, it was an interesting time to build the team because, um, you know, there was Hurricane Dorian a couple years ago and then straight into COVID. So a lot of Bahamian fishing guys didn't have a lot of work for, for a few years, especially if you were affected by Hurricane Dorian and, you know, some very, very talented guys, um, you know, lost their, lost the lodge that they worked at in, in Abaco and uh, moved back to their, to their home island of Andros, um, which is actually where I was managing before. And, um, and those are two guys that we brought on the team who are exceptionally talented. Um, Freddie Dames and Travis Sands, um, a lot of folks that if they pay attention to the Bahamas fishing scene, both those guys are just staples and uh, just awesome awesome guys to be on the water with. And, and now we're working with uh, Percy's son, um, Percy's nephew. So the guide team, you know, is so important. And we, you know, we, so we, we, you know, we always, um, always have more work to do um, with our team and we're always trying to get better and we're all growing together and we really are a very family mentality down here. And, you know, I talk about the guide team because, you know, that's, that's who our, who our guests spend a lot of time with, but just as important as, is our staff in the kitchen. Actually, chef was chef. Uh, Valentino was the first person that we, um, we brought on. Um, we actually, he, he worked with us at the previous lodge we were at and we would, you know, chef and my wife and I would all joke around, um, about, uh, opening a place and, uh, and, and sure enough, a few years later, um, he came with us to go do this and he's, he's super talented. You know, we can't control the weather. You can't control the, what the fish do, but you can, you can make sure you've got good food and good accommodations. And, you know, the rest of our, our team supports that. So, so very well down here. And, um, you know, the staff that's at the, at the lodge and the maintenance crew, we, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful team. That's, uh, that's probably one of the, of course, the fishing is, you know, that's what draws people in here, but um, but a lot of folks remember our our staff just because it's it's such a great crew. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to the fishing. Don't worry, we're we're gonna make. <laughs> I mean, I gotta be honest. I think it's pretty smart that your first person you hire is a chef. I mean, I, I, I <laughs> right. I mean, you gotta make sure people. I mean, 
people a lot of times can gauge whether or not their trip was good based on how well they eat. So, um, you know, I think that's pretty smart. Hey, you need to ask him. You were doing the same thing. Like, we were both sitting here. Oh, we're both sitting here on our phones while we're talking, like, looking at exactly where these bear are. Bohemian geography. I guess I don't know it that well. I don't know it that well either. So, yeah, I mean, Kyle, this is is really cool, man. I appreciate your transparency, too, sharing about, you know, just how you started this thing. And I think one of the things I realized is I – have seen a lot of your stuff online and uh and even checked out your website a lot you know you're you're super passionate not just about creating a great fishing experience you've got a lot of other things in mind um especially when it comes to developing that lodge you know i, I know you talk a lot about community down there that that is super important to you um and engaging with the local community i think is extremely important to you why why, do you, why is that such a big uh factor for you when it came to developing this lodge yeah i, I appreciate that question you know because i think it's it's it all trickles down to the guest experience and so we start i feel like there's a huge disconnect if you just focused right out of the gate on the guest and the guest experience and if that's where you're looking i think there's a lot of things that are very foundational that are being missed Mm. um and and the biggest part is the health and happiness of the staff and the team here. And if, if we're intact and, and our house is in order and people are getting what they need, um, I feel like that creates an environment for um, the guest experience to just thrive and, and take on a life of all of its own. And so that's really our focus is the, is the team. And also if like, if I continue to focus on the team and, 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 in our development and continually learning and, and and truly enjoying our jobs like that's how it should be you know we're we're in a business where we are just slinging fun you know <laughs> so we have to keep it we have to you know keep it fun here and so we really try and do that in our core obviously taking it seriously but uh that's just been like a very great um a great place to just kind of make all of our decisions from um and of course, you know, we do, we spend lots of time thinking about how we refine the experience for the guests, but usually at the core of those decisions are our staff and, and how our staff can kind of support, um, support that, that guest experience and the best fishing that we can offer. Man, I think that's super wise. I'm, I'm involved in a lot of leadership stuff with our, uh, with our church. I'm a associate pastor here at our church in town and, um, when we think about that stuff, we talk a lot about that on our leadership team of just how, you know, if we want to create a great experience on, on like Sunday mornings and stuff for, for guests that are coming to our church, it's super important that we engage and we're developing the people that are already there. You know, we're always thinking about the people who aren't there that we want to reach, but at the same time, you know, the people who are already there that we need to impact and that we need to, uh, we need a disciple that we need to come alongside and they will in turn then go out and reach out to the community. And so I think that's really cool the way you've kind of set that up there. You know, you're super intentional with, with your folks and with your team. And in doing that, that creates, like I said, it's that trickle down effect into the experience for your guests. No, no, for sure. Totally. And you know, and also too, like we're, we're very aware that we are outsiders here. We are outsiders yeah. in, in, you know, in a foreign community. And, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of places in the Bahamas that a lot of folks aren't getting what they need. And, and some of these, some of these fishing businesses can be a little bit extractive, you know, so we really, really, really wanted to be, you know, just have that as, um, you know, very much a focal, a focal part and just kind of understand our, our part in all of that. Um, yeah. working with these different communities you know exactly that's 
I don't mean to keep bringing this back to church world, but, but like we, like when we talk about like our church, we, we would want our community to miss us if our church wasn't there. And I think that's kind of what you, <laughs> yeah. there's like, like that lodge is grateful that you're there. Like the people that are actually living there and they're from there, they're grateful that you're a part of that community and they would miss you if you weren't there. And I think that's how you can kind of gauge that win. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I, I so agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you on that. And like, we're all going to need, help down the line and it's a lot easier to get it when you're, you're pulling your weight and you're being a good part of this, uh, this community. So yeah, sure. I hear you on that. For sure. Well, I know another uh, thing, Kyle, that is a big, um, something you're really focused on while you're there is you're also super focused on not just the community of the people that are there, but you're super intentional about uh, taking care of the resource. And so I'd love for you to speak a little bit about how you're doing that. Um, why that is so important to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think we try and um, have that be a focal part of the, the business here, just be, for how people operate here, for how it's going to affect them when they leave here, when maybe when they go back to their home fishery or, um, or travel to another place. I think, um, you know, we just kind of want to, there's, there's been no more important time than, than now to, to care for our resources. So we just try and make it a, a focal, focal part of the experience. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think it's, it's complex and it's imperfect. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we, we try and do our best job, um, you know, to not overpressure the bonefish, you know, fish handling, I think it empowers everybody um, that they can have an impact of a safe fight with a fish and a safe release um, and trying to, you know, mitigate as much damage as we can. Cause at the end of the day, fly fishing is a blood sport. You know, we do lose fish. Um, it happens. Um, you know, the, if you're going to catch a hundred fish, you know, they're, they're not all going to swim off and in, in, in the healthiest state. And I think that is the impact that we have. And so just kind of bringing that awareness to that and our impact, um, whether it's here or other places is, is important to us. And, um, you know, so we try and focus on a, a number of different species that, you know, that help us kind of spread out the, the pressure of a fishing lodge and, uh, you know, and, and we're, and we're really just kind of getting into our, our third season. I think we have a lot of things that we want to continue to, um, you know, to push and, and it, I think the easy things that we do is, you know, supporting some of the nonprofits that are doing doing awesome work down here and in furthering science and just engaging and in, in being a part of that stuff. And um, so, you know, it's an area where I think I always feel like I wish, I wish we were doing more. Um, but, uh, but I have to remind myself that we're, we're a young business and, and, uh, and, uh, and I think we're on a good track, but we just, we just have to stay on it and keep and keep, keep staying engaged there. And, and we're, we're really lucky here that we have, we have clean water, we have great habitat. Um, and, you know, us being just our presence here um, with people enjoying this pristine habitat helps to protect it as well. So, um, you know, the fishing guides out on the flats, they're the only ones out there, you know, and they are the ones that are the protectors. And so they really are the you know, kind of the heroes of the flats in the Bahamas because they are, they, they really are the, the ones policing it. And uh, um, it's, so it's cool. Our, our, 
our team has the same mentality as us, which I think some of it, we've all grown together, of course, and uh, kind of influence each other, but we all have kind of come from that perspective. So it's neat to, to kind of mold all that into, into one, one message, but um, so very important to us, of course. Yeah, man. I mean, it's very important. So I just want to, I want to kind of dive in there a little bit deeper. Why do you think it is so important to you? Oh, let's see. I mean, I think, I think it's so important to me just cause I just, I, I, I feel um, like we're all kind of one and the same, you know, we're, we are all a part of this earth and, and not to get super deep, but I just feel very connected to this planet and very connected to our natural resources that it, it, uh, um, you know, when I see the planet hurting, it hurts me, you know? So I think that's, that's really where I'm personally coming from. Um, and, uh, so it feels very personal to me. Absolutely. Yeah, man, for sure. And I, I completely understand that and can get on board with that as well. I mean, I think it's super important. You know, we try to be as, uh, <clears throat> conservative minded as we can, uh, every time we're on the water and we just want to encourage that for everybody. Everybody that's listening to this, you know, I encourage you to do that. Think about ways that, um, as you're enjoying the resource, are there ways that you're giving it back, giving back to it as well? Um, I've, I like to think of it because I, I want to, I want it to be around for my kids to enjoy one day too, and to get the experience about it, um, to get to enjoy the experience of it the way that I do, and uh, seeing what it's done for me, I want them to be able to experience that as well. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I echo that too. I mean, I think all this is um you know it's all at risk and and we are the best protectors of it these you know us in the in the fly fishing world we are all well known to outside of the fly fishing world as we punch above our weight in terms of protecting these resources which is cool it's so cool you know and so i just feel i feel proud to be a part of that community of these um of these folks that just are are strong or a small industry but we have a huge impact which is so cool Absolutely. All right, Kyle, before we get into, uh, well, I've got so much, but before we get into the, fish, <laughs> before we get into the fishing, I want to just ask a couple questions for, for people who are listening. Um, like me, when I listen to shows like this, even though I know I'm probably not coming in the next year, it still is interesting to me how it all. So I was reading, it's not that difficult to get to you guys, right? Like just tell somebody if they were wanting to come to your lodge, we'll talk about like all the particulars kind of toward the end and let you plug all your stuff. But it seems to be pretty easy travel. Is that correct now? It's not tough. I mean, you know, you get, you can, if you can get a, a flight to Fort Lauderdale, you can fly direct to, to Great Harbor Key, which is the island that I'm on in the Barry Islands. That's um, kind of like the main main island the real hub in the barry islands so you can fly direct to fort lauderdale from fort lauderdale um you can fly um you know it's two flights in the morning two in the afternoon from nassau um which nassau has a lot of great easy access to so um you know if you're coming from the west coast it can it can be a little bit um you know can take a little bit longer of course but uh um but pretty easy to get to for being a remote a remote island Typical stay Do people do, um, you know, you, I looked on your website, it's like six, is that kind of the max for fisher for anglers at the lodge? And then how long do most people come or is there any kind of up to them? Yeah, we can actually, we can actually take eight. Um, and I just built a couple new rooms so we can have our eight guests can either be sleeping double or they can spread out and four can sleep single, four can sleep double. Um, so, and I don't think we'll ever do more than eight anglers. You know, it's, it's the right size for, um, 
for this this chain of islands um and we let people come for whatever length they want you know um some people come for two or three days some some for uh you know six or seven and uh a little bit of everything in between so our our calendar looks a little bit more like a like a puzzle and uh we just make it all fit and work together you know once you get to you guys lodge to soulfly lodge it pretty much just seems like paradise right you're just eating good food hanging out by the bar and going fishing that's the idea that's the idea <laughs> yeah so yeah we try and make it really easy once you you know once you get here you don't have anything to worry about it's you know it's it's open bar it's it's good food it's um good vibes you know great place to hang out and stay we're we're right on the beach um so you know you take a short walk down through the coconut trees and um can take a jump in the ocean and um so it's it's you know and those are all the all the all the stuff you can control you know so we just try and have all that super dialed and you know um weather's variable tides are variable um one of my partners says you can't control the tides but you can control the vibes and i love that quote um (laughs) and so so you know and we've got we got you know we got new boats when we open the lodge and uh um so and then you get out there on the water and, and that's where really the magic happens, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a really cool place to explore. All right. I think you guys, uh, kind of marked yourself toward the bonefish permit, correct? Is I mean, I'm, I'm on your email list, so I get like the, the, the prime dates. Um, but, uh, so I can just dream, but what is that kind of what you would say is your, is your go-to what people are trying to come there and kind of chase depending on weather? I'd say, yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's either one of the, one of those two that, um, that people really focus on and there's some other cool stuff to target, but I'd say those are really the two fish that motivate people to, to travel and come here. So, uh, you're mostly doing that off, off your skiffs or you guys, uh, you guys wading flats for bonefish. What's kind of, I mean, we, Josh and I have yet to do either one of those. So, um, we're, we're pretty, pretty noob when it comes to chasing those fish so yeah what does it look like down there yeah definitely so we have uh, this quintessential element in in the berry islands that it's this massive white sand beautiful flats the fish go very shallow there Um, the bone fishing can be technical because these it's practically water that's just above your ankle and you've got you've got big bonefish sliding around and um so i'd say that's one of that's one of people's favorite element to fish for bonefish here it's it's you really when you're on that on flats like that you're you're looking to the horizon in several directions and it's just white sand um and it's 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 really cool um and you know these fish this tide drops and these fish get they end up out on this white sand feeding along into the tide and, and, you know, and you're just walking and you just kind of forget where you are. And, you know, on, on these good days, you're just taking shot after shot at, at bonefish. And one of the cool things about bonefish here is they're, you know, they're a little bit above average in size. So, um, you know, we've got, you know, probably three, four five pound bonefish, um, very plentiful and then plenty of fish five to five to 10 pounds um and some fish over that which is you know 10 pounds is kind of like that big big bonefish anything over that is just like any pound you add to a bonefish over 10 pounds it just 
just morphs into an even more mythical <laughs> creature. They just, they get, they are just a formidable um, fish um, at that size. And so then, you know, we've got, uh, we've got, you know, a lot of fishing from the boat to shorelines where you're fishing more like singles and doubles. And, um, but, you know, it's really kind of a variable, um, you know, it's just a lot of different ways to, to fish for them down here and, and, and a lot of ways to do it. But, the you know, the waiting really captures a lot of people's hearts down here. Absolutely. So, um, you know, for folks that are listening and what, is it year round, Kyle? I mean, I know maybe it's better maybe in what you would call our winter here in the States. Maybe it's a good time to come or, but can you guys uh, pretty much fish it all year? We can fish it pretty much all year. We open in September and we'll close up right at the end of June. Um, and kind of the way that the the flow goes with the bonefish is they're here all year. The warmer months, you'll get more small fish on the flats. The winter months, you get bigger fish. So we're we're starting to get into that big fish season. I got to sneak out today, and uh, um, and we saw some big bonefish out there. My wife actually got, um, you know, being a being a mom um, doesn't get to fish as much as uh, she'd like to. But I got to watch her catch a a nice bonefish today, which was really cool. Um, and so it's great, you know, year round, we have, we have the bonefish here and, uh, winter's that time to get a, get a big one. A lot of people love the spring cause it's kind of stable weather and, um, you know, the fall, I really love the fall. The fall is, is a really cool time. You get a chance of a big storm, um, you know, like a tropical storm or hurricane that might brush by, but, um, you know, but the fishing's really cool that time of year. Every every time of year really has a a, a plus and a minus to it, and weather is usually the, the the factor that that makes or breaks trips. I think on really on any fishing trip and in, in conditions. But you know, and then the permit is you know is a is another um, kind of factor into when people book their trips and and there you know the reputation for permit down here is big permit, especially across the Bahamas. Um, we've got plenty of, 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 of big permit, um, in the berries and I'd say kind of your average fisher, you know, probably you're going to see a, a good amount of 12 to 20 pound fish. You'll see 20 to thirties and some, some fish above that. Um, and, but uh, you gotta be like, Maybe like a wizard. I'm, I don't, yeah, be like, you gotta be really good to catch those things. Right. It's what I've heard anyway. Like you gotta be, Gotta be dialed in. People put them up on a pedestal. You definitely, they test every skill you have though, for sure. Um, you know, and that's why I love chasing them. And I spend a lot of time chasing them while I'm down here. Um, they really become my, my favorite fish. And because it's, you know, they really like, they, they, they just test everything and you have to control every variable. But once you, once you start honing in on what, um, what makes a permit to fly, they really, you know, it, it kind of takes, it kind of takes some of that intimidation away. Um, and they're very catchable fish, but they're just very specific about what has to happen <laughs> to catch them. And then, and then they're also a fish that's so, so incredibly wily that like, once you, once you've hooked a permit, it's, you have no idea what you're about to get into. You know, the attitude fish to fish can be very different. Um, and, uh, and they're pretty determined to, um, to not lose. <laughs> I like it. And, uh, you guys, uh, I think I read on your website, but you're, you're mainly 
eight and nine weight fly rods is that your, your go-to mainly eight weights i think is what i was seeing unless it's super windy yeah yeah eight weights kind of great for great for bones um you know nine or ten weight for for permit and barracuda and uh um, so that's kind of the that's kind of the standard if you got an eight nine and ten um it's a perfect perfect quiver to to bring down we got a great a great demo fleet of thomas and thomas rods down here too that uh, we put in our clients hands to to try and um but uh but that's yeah absolutely a lot of the setups you don't really have to you don't really have to over overthink it um you know running floating lines we you know we build build the right leaders for for fish on the right days and um and uh so a lot of that stuff we take care of here for our guests and and really help them kind of get rigged and dialed in all right i know a lot of people say it and um i know it's true but if you were coming to the bahamas uh if you're coming to Soulfly lodge to to catch some fish or to attempt to catch fish i think the number one thing i know i would have to do is get out on my high school football field and cast for weeks and weeks and months at a time but what does it look like, Kyle? Like you're going to have, what, what is a person to just have some fun? Like I'm not going down there to be, you know, the expert, but what, how far am I, what am I going to have to cast like to be able to at least, you know, not be miserable all day and have some shots. Yeah. You know, uh, I honestly, this is something very few people actually do is actually practice how your, how shots actually come about. You're standing most people, when they practice cast, they strip out a bunch of line and, you know, they cast, you know, 50, 60 feet, whatever's there in their wheelhouse. Generally, people are trying to cast farther than they can. Um, and and a lot of people aren't starting from the ready position that you are in, in sight fishing. So the biggest thing I recommend to people is uh, one of, you know, one of the more important things I think is start with your fly in your hand just like you would be on the bow of the boat and start your cast from that position. Um, Cause that is, that is how every shot is going to start for you. Uh, whether it's a bonefish or a permit um, and any sight fishing element, that's how it all begins. So you might as well start from that practice position, um, trying to get your shot, trying to get your fly delivered to that fish as quickly as you can, you know, cause when that opportunity arises, all of a sudden, and a lot of people, that's the pressure that they feel is all of a sudden you have to get your fly to this fish in a, you know, a perceived hurried fashion. Um, but I really tell people to put it on your terms. Um, take your deep breath. That's a lot of times that really should be your first step. Um, and cast if you can cast accurately at 50 feet, you can do a ton of stuff down here. Um, so... And then trying those shorter shots too. A lot of bonefish shots, you know, especially from the boat, you might have a bonefish come out of the grass at 30 feet. It's really great to be able to be tuned in on those shorter shots can, can be challenging too. So practicing those short ones, passing it up to 50. If you're going to hunt permit, it can be really helpful to be at, you know, even a little longer at 60 to 70. Um, but you really, even for permit, you don't have to be anything over, over that. Um, you know, there's times where it can be very helpful to reach a fish further out, but uh, but a lot of times you can you can wait and and you can stay, you know, you can stay stealthy at those distances, um, which is really what it's all about. You want to just stay concealed and be able to deliver the fly in a stealthy manner to to fool these fish. So um, 
and a lot of things, you know, people, a lot of people come down here and, you know, and guy, a lot of guys are guilty of this, you know, is we want to cast a country mile and a lot of times play outside of our own skill set. So the biggest thing people can do is if you're good at 40 feet, cast at 40, don't cast at 50. If you know 50 is always a stretch for you and it's like a, it's like a, such a low percentage shot for you, make that 40 foot shot. Um, which like everybody can make that mental adjustment immediately, just like play within your own game. And if you're not there yet, go back and practice. And, and on your next trip, you're going to, you're going to um, come back a more improved, better angler. And, you know, we're in a technical fishery here where I would describe it as quality over quantity. Um, and so it's important to, that teaching and honing people's skills is kind of a part of our program here to, to help them be successful. All right, man. You've that's. I think you've you've got a painted a beautiful picture for us, and um, you know, I've already been looking at flights. It's definitely a place <laughs> we can actually fly to Fort Lauderdale pretty cheap. Yeah, we can fly. We can fly super cheap from our house from Asheville to Fort Lauderdale is insanely yeah, cheap in the wintertime. <laughs> insanely cheap. We're gonna um, make this happen, boys. This is gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. But uh, we we'll have a couple little rednecks from the mountains. Yeah, there. a couple little mountain boys <laughs> up there would be better used to you know nymphing little ten foot wide streams. Yeah, so. your Bohemian <laughs> gods would be entertained if nothing else. Oh, I can no, promise I can you, they'll have lots of stupid stories to tell about us idiots. Um, Kyle, one reason that we had reached out to you, man, and uh, you know, we we have taken as we've continued our show and it's built and grown over the two and a half years now is we're very intentional, kind of, with who we have on our show. We don't just just go after anybody. And one thing about your story that obviously drew us to you was that uh, you know through this adventure of opening Soulfly Lodge. You became a dad, kind of right in the mix of it. And uh, we wanted to speak to, one, how cool that was, and also maybe how how challenging that was in doing all you were doing and becoming a young father. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the timing really stacked up right on top of each other. Um, you know, we kind of, like, launched our our business, and my wife and and I had our son in the same week and it, it just, oh, wow. you, you know, you can't, you can't really time that stuff out. Um, and that's just how it played out, which actually was kind of perfect timing. Cause you know, you're, we're hanging with this incredible gift, um, Micah who has entered our, our lives and, you know, we're doing a lot of hanging around the house. It was a great time to be launching a website and pounding the pavement, trying to fill our calendar um, and you know, a couple months later, we're moving down there with Micah, which was wild. I mean, if I could, I wish I could have had a family portrait of us when we uh first landed to the island, and you could have seen the look on on our faces. I mean, nothing, nothing's working at the lodge. Where, um, you know, my wife's in tears. We're kind of we're kind of questioning everything. We're seeing this incredible amount of work that we have our in front of us and like you know when i landed there i was like okay objective one is we have to secure the family <laughs> we've got to we have to get we got to get our bedroom comfy we've got to get this this you know just like home base has to or we've got to settle our nest so we got our our spot dialed in and then you know we took our took our deep breath and and uh we had we had a couple months ahead of us before our first guests arrived and 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 the work started and you know and my wife and i are a great team and we very intentionally chose to 
to be in business together because we know we work together. It's how we want to live. And we wanted to raise our, our son in this environment. We, you know, we wanted to, um, we wanted to be by his side and, uh, and have him kind of experience the world, um, right there with us. And so for us, it was a dream come true. We knew there was going to be plenty of challenges making that, making that decision. And, uh, but, you know, we got, we went through that kind of that opening period, which was, you know, it was very trying and, uh, very satisfying. Um, and, and it worked out and, you know, sure enough, we were at the end of September construction was finishing like three days before guests are showing up as, you know, as it does down here, just perfectly on time, but in, incredibly stressful to get it all wrapped up and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and folks showed up and, uh, and we were off to the races. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and being here now, um, seeing kind of how far we've come, like Mike is such a, you know, my son has such a timestamp on it. You know, I can see how much he's grown. And, and I remember he was just like a little nugget when we, when we moved him down here. So it's been, it's been quite a few years together doing this. And, um, and uh, it sounds wild kind of doing it all at the same time, but uh, I don't think I would have done it any other way in hindsight. Yeah. I mean, that's really cool, Kyle. You've got, you know, this monumental moment in your life, having a kid, directly attached this monumental moment in your life of starting this thing with your whole family. I mean, that's really cool when you think about it. Yeah. Thanks. And he's like, I watching this, this, this lodge life, um, shape him is, is so cool. Cause you know, I think, I think he's, I think he's with us for a reason. I think he wanted to be a part of all this and he is, he loves it here. The guests love him. There are certain guests now that are like, you know, if Mike is not going to be there, um, I'm not booking those dates, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't blame him. I mean, he adds a lot. He adds a lot uh, to the uh, sure. to the experience. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, I, I would love to ask you, though, if you're if you don't mind going in this little bit, you said he's like two and a half now, right? Yep. Yep. So uh, you, you got him down there. You know, this is your. Uh, literally you've got both your babies, you know, your, your actual baby and this other, you know, lodge baby, um, that you, you've got going, uh, what, it, what, it, what's it like raising for him in a culture and a community that was totally different than what you grew up in? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, I know he's going to get plenty doses of, of, of our American culture and, you know, and he does when we're back in Maine now and he's getting more of that, um, but it's been really cool, you know. Bahamians live yeah. a very, uh, very in the in the moment um, lifestyle. A lot of them really love where they're from, and uh, they love to laugh. They love to have a good time. They have a great kind of uh, just a great perspective that's almost really hard to de describe on on the world. So, I mean, for Micah to grow up in a community like that is just just a blessing, and to see. Um, to see a lot of people that look different than, than Mike and myself yeah. in Kitri is, is so cool and so valuable that he gets to be growing up in, uh, an environment like that, where he's really been, um, you know, he's really, he's really not around very many white faces down here. And so it's just such a blessing too, coming from, you know, being back in Maine where it is such more of a, um, you know, homogenous, um, um, 
you know, kind of mixture mixture of folks. We're, we're, we feel very thankful to be able to be in a, a different culture down here and just exposing them to a different way of living and different people with different perspectives. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I could see where that it might possibly have some challenges at some point, but I think it's got to be incredible to have that experience and be able to, to see your son growing up in such a cool place. Um, you know, it's going to be insanely impactful for him as he grows up. And uh, I'm sure you guys are just going to keep, you know, just <clears throat> keep letting him grow with you as you grow this thing together. So, yeah. Yeah, really absolutely. I mean, he, you know, his perspective right now, like, skips and fly rods kind of run the world and uh he thinks everybody's you know kind of on this planet to go fishing but uh <laughs> he fishing i should say i should say go fishing or fix stuff or put out fires <laughs> or um <laughs> he's a he's Love a total lodge baby he's like glued to his uh his toolbox and his in his fishing rod so we're always running around fixing stuff and catching stuff <laughs> i love it Hey, Kyle, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you did all that, kind of opened a lodge through all that with a young family, a brand new family. Um, I think sometimes when our, when our kids are that young, you know, he won't remember, he'll remember stuff, but he won't remember all of it. But you and your wife will remember a ton and you'll have a ton of memories. And what would you say is maybe the biggest lesson that, that you took from that or the lesson you learned from, you know, having a young child? Because anytime you have a new baby, it's just a first one especially like it's a challenge for parents i can remember me being there and and yet you're also running this lodge what would you say is just something that you learned that maybe all dads that are listening to this show could take as a lesson um from that experience yeah that's a great question um you know i mean i think especially kind of kind of being down down here with micah uh i think just every day we're really just trying to just trying to keep uh, a a great intuition for what he needs and you know i think a lot of times it's hard for for young kids to um you know to to tell you exactly what they need um and i think we've just really tried to stay focused on that and and also down here we've treated him um really like uh you know, like he's a part of everything and we really include him in everything. And, and we talk to him. Um, of course we want to talk to him in a way that he's gonna, gonna understand, but we really talk to him like a grown up and, and let him be a part of, of what we're doing and, and, you know, and the, the decisions that we're, we're making. And I think he just feels very included and it's been fun to, to watch him grow because, you know, probably on the downside, he's, he's not at a daycare where he's around a lot of his peers where, you know, he can learn the things that he needs to from, um, in those situations. But here we're really trying to, you know, okay, so we can see what the advantages of being here are. So, um, you know, he's, you know, he's pretty articulate for, for how old he is, because I think he's just hanging around grown-ups a lot at the lodge (laughs) you know and like doing grown-up stuff and he's really kind of you know really wants to be a part of uh of being helpful and and uh um so i think that's been a big thing for us especially because we're you know it's for kitri micah and myself it's a constant workflow family personal life all intertwined into one and really very little boundaries um where we can kind of hide away from, um, from any of that. We live at the lodge where, um, so, you know, so it's, I think 
us just really kind of recognizing that that is that is a way that Micah can grow and, and really kind of get a lot out of this experience he really has and you know we try and go out of our way to get him get him time with other kids down here and you know the guides and other staff bring their families around which is which is awesome but uh that was a little bit of a muddy answer but that's just been kind of some of the cool stuff that uh has happened for for us that I know is shaping Micah in a way that maybe he won't remember but I know he's going to be you know he's becoming who he is because because of it for sure man well, Kyle, we can't thank you enough. I want to close with one thing, and then uh, we'll let you tell everybody about how to find out about the lodge. But you know, we didn't talk about this, and I, I want to ask it. Like, you could have named it anything. So, Soulfly Lodge. Where did Soulfly <laughs> come from? And uh, you know, is there any meaning behind that? Yeah, absolutely. So, Soulfly Outfitters is my guiding business in Maine, and so that's where Soulfly started. And the origination of that name is. You know, really, this soulful, deeper connection to this this wonderful um, pursuit that we get to do. It's you know, meaning more than just holding a fish. It's it's all the in between moments, and so that's really kind of what soulfly soulfly means. Um, and you know, and it just was perfect to kind of uh, uh, to kind of carry on t- into the into the lodge. So we're, we're running with Soulfly, and, uh, and it fits, I think kind of our, um, our ethos and, and mentality here. So, um, so it's kind of meant to be taken, taken literally with a soulful, soulful well, pursuit of fly fishing. Well said, man. Well, just, uh, let everybody know you can find all about Soulfly Lodge at just soulflylodge.com. And, uh, you got a great Instagram as well that you post and, uh, you can get on your email list to, you know, you send great emails about when the fishing's going to be good. Uh, so, uh, definitely want to encourage anybody to do that. Anything else, man, to just say to our audience before, before we hop off here and let you get back to that, uh, you know, lovely lodge you're hanging out down there. Well, yeah, no, just a big thank you to you guys. This is such a great conversation. I really appreciate, uh, hanging out and chatting with you and I can't wait to some spend some time. Hopefully it's on a sunny flat somewhere, <laughs> preferably here. Yeah. <laughs> That would be that would be wonderful, Kyle. Nothing with uh nothing would suit us more for sure, man. Well, Kyle, we have really enjoyed this. We want to make sure everybody knows they can check you out. As Josh said, soulflylodge.com. I know uh, your other website, soulflyoutfitters.com. They can find out more about uh, all the stuff that you're doing and all those places. Anywhere else they can check you out, Instagram as well. Anywhere else if they want to learn more about Soulfly. Um, you know, that's that's great. I mean, um hit the website up and um you'll you're gonna end up talking to me if you ever uh if you wanna learn more and you and you're booking a trip. So um so give me a shout in, in any way, shape or form for sure and uh I'm here to help and um and chat. Absolutely. Awesome, Kyle. Well thanks, man, and thanks for your time tonight and thanks everyone for checking out this episode of the Dads on the Fly Podcast. Until next time, tight lines. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dads on Fly podcast. We hope this conversation has inspired or encouraged you as a parent or an angler. To learn more about Dads on the Fly, you can find us at dadsonthefly.com or at Instagram or Facebook at Dads on the Fly. Yeah, we'd always love it if you leave us a rating or review as it helps get our word out about uh, the podcast. And if you like this episode, make sure to shoot a message and share it with a friend.